Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. We're going to go ahead and jump back in to where we let off before Easter, before we, before we stopped um, for those couple of weeks to talk about the resurrection. Um, but we're going to pick back up in John chapter 15 today. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 15. And what we're going to do today is I just want to kind of reiterate um, this conversation that's taking place between the disciples and Jesus. Um, If you've been with us, you know that this is the last conversation that Jesus has with his disciples before he enters to the journey going to the cross um, to fulfill what God had placed him on earth to do. Um, But to go back three weeks ago, if you remember, the conversation is coming to a close And Jesus and the disciples have been sitting around the table, and and as we ended it, Jesus tells them, get up and let's go. Basically saying, okay, enough said, let's get about what God's called us to do. And so just to sort of give you the context of of what many believe that this was kind of the environment that was taking place, it was sort of like the dinner table has dismissed, they're making their way to the doorway, and then there begins, you know how when you dismiss a dinner, it's not always the conversation doesn't stop. So this is kind of the small talk. This is kind of Jesus talking to the disciples as they're getting ready to leave the upper room, as they're getting ready to leave um, this place of the Last Supper. And so what we want to do today is we're going to have to take about probably five minutes to make sure that we set the context of of who this conversation is taking place between, but even more importantly, what is the purpose of this conversation? And you're gonna understand the context of all of that as we keep walking through this this scripture this morning. But this conversation is taking place between Jesus and the 11 remaining disciples. So we know that this conversation is taking place between Jesus and 11 men who are committed to following him, who have trusted in him but be who he says he is. And these are the 11 men. These are the believers that Jesus is talking to. Now, why that is important is because what we're gonna see as we keep reading is a lot of times in many different places, you will hear that this passage is a place where people will use the scripture to try to plead the case of someone losing their salvation. And so I want you to hear today that keep in mind, Jesus is talking to believers. And so you're gonna see why this scripture cannot be used to build that case at all this morning. And so we're gonna keep walking through this, but so we know that Jesus is talking to these 11 believers. This is not an evangelistic message because he's talking to his disciples, okay? And so now we're going to look at the the purpose of this conversation. I love it when Jesus makes it simple. If you look at John chapter 15, verse 8, 
we see the exact reason that this conversation is taking place. The purpose behind what Jesus is sharing in these first seven, eight verses of this chapter. Verse, or chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus tells the disciples, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. And so the purpose of this conversation is Jesus is wanting to challenge the disciples that their role is to produce fruit so that God gets glory. And you may wonder, well, what fruit is that? That would be, we would reference Ephesians chapter five, the fruits of the spirit. You're to produce love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, all of those things. And so Jesus is saying, as I depart, even in my absence, I'm still going to challenge you to be producing fruit. To produce fruit so that you can be patted on the back and told how good you are. Is that what he's saying? No, you produce fruit so that God gets glory. You do understand that all of our purpose is to bring God glory. We're not to produce fruit to be patted on the back because here's what we know about God's glory. God's glory was never meant to be shared with mankind. God's glory is God's glory. And our responsibility is to make sure everything points to God's glory. That's the very reason as we go out today and saturate the world by making disciples, I could care less if anybody in this room mentions Chestnut Mountain Church today while you're out loving the community. Because we don't want Chestnut Mountain Church getting glory. We want God to get glory. That is the reason that we want to produce fruit is so that God will receive the glory. And so we see the purpose of this conversation. Now, I love how Jesus always uses his words and his, his speech to, to paint these pictures. And so what we're gonna see in these seven verses is he's gonna paint a picture with his words so that the disciples will better understand what he's talking about. And so as he's painting these pictures, he's gonna use different characters to reference to these certain people. And so what I want to do is to make sure that we understand who each character is so that as we read it, we will better understand it as a people. Okay. So the first character you're going to hear mentioned in verse one, as we read it, is Jesus references the true vine and the true vine is who? Jesus. So Jesus wants us to know that he is the true vine. Then he's gonna reference and, and make reference to the vine dresser. It's important that we know that the vine dresser is God the Father. So God the Father is the vine dresser. And we're gonna talk about all of these as we keep going. But then as we're gonna keep reading, you're gonna see that there's two more characters that are referenced and those are gonna be referred to as branches. There's two types of branches that we're gonna hear about today. The branches that are connected to the true vine and the branches that are not connected to the true vine. So here we have the branches, one group who is the believers and one group who is not the believers. And that is determined by if you're attached to the true vine or not, okay? So now that we've sort of set the context, now I want us to continue reading on. John chapter 15, verse one. Here's the conversation as they're dismissing the supper table and Jesus is talking to his disciples. He tells them in verse one, I am 
the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, it's very important to acknowledge that word true. He wants the disciples to know that he is the, the true vine. And that word true, it carries the same weight that you and I would define true. It means that it's, it's not a resemblance, but it's the real thing. It's the opposite of counterfeit. It's not something that has been placed to simulate. It is not something that has been placed to pretend that it's something that it's not. Jesus saying, I am the real thing. I am the true vine. And so as he's using this language to paint the picture of this vineyard, this would have resonated with the disciples because in Israel, this grapevines, these vineyards were, were well known. Everybody knew how they worked. Everybody knew a lot of the language that was used. But up to this point, what we have to understand is that going back to the Old Testament, Israel, God's chosen people, God's chosen nation, would have been referred to as the vine. Would have been referred to as the vine. So the identity of the Jewish people was connected to the nation of Israel. And so their identity was connected to the nation of Israel and what they would have been known for was all of the keeping of the law, would have been known for all of their religious activity. This was the group that in everybody else's mind had it all together. They had, like we would say, this church thing figured out. But for the children of Israel, if they were connected, if they were affiliated with the nation of Israel, this was their identity. This was who they are. This was what determined their destiny, if you would. But as we saw all throughout the Old Testament, that over time, because of man's influence in the nation of Israel, because of man's influence in regards to the law, in reference to all of these things that God had placed in order, the nation of Israel in some conditions became fruitless because of man's influence. Not because the character of God changed, but because of mankind's sin and mankind's influence and man's willingness to do their own thing and thinking in their mind, I don't need God anymore. We've got this religion thing figured out. And so the Jewish people and the disciples would have resonated with this mindset of, okay, if we're connected to the nation of Israel, then this is our life, this is our hope. And Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, even the nation of Israel is going to let you down. I am the true vine. I'm the real thing. I'm the only one that you're going to find life and hope and future and promise in. It's me and me alone. Religion's gonna let you down. Mankind is gonna let you down. The church is gonna let you down. But I, the true vine, will never let you down. And so I wonder how many of us can even relate to maybe what the disciples are thinking about or maybe what the Jewish people even thought about. Because we can look around us, y'all, and there's a lot of vines that we try to find our identity in. 
Do you try to find your identity in your workplace? Do you try to find your identity in, in how good you are in a certain sport? Do you try to find your identity in what people group that you run with? Because what we've come to find out is that what the reality is, is it doesn't matter what we turn to of this world. It may provide life for a little while, but just like the nation of Israel, that runs out. It's gonna disappoint you. It's gonna let you down. It's gonna discourage you. And Jesus is saying, hey guys, look, you can't turn to religion, you can't turn to the things of this world because all of the things of the world that you're gonna turn to, they will run out. It may be fun for a season, it may feel hopeful for a season, you may have some temporary glimpses of life, but I'm here to tell you, it will run out. And I am the true vine. I am the only one that will provide life everlasting. And so there's no doubt in my mind that we are just like these disciples or the Jewish people or even the people of Israel. Can I tell you, please, 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 don't turn to me to provide life. Don't turn to this church to provide life because we are messy people. I will let you down. This church will let you down. But praise be unto God, we serve one who never will. He is life. And so we see that Jesus is wanting the disciples to know, hey, I'm the, the true vine. I'm the real thing. I'm not counterfeit. I'm the real thing. Then he's gonna talk about the vine dresser. Again, he makes it simple. We see the responsibility of the vine dresser in verse two. Every branch in me. I want you to circle, highlight, whatever, that phrase, in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Now, what we first have to do is define the responsibility of the vine dresser. The vine dresser is probably somebody that we would call the gardener, would be the one who takes care of the vine and takes care of the branches. So this gardener, this vine dresser is gonna be the one that handles the vine and the branches with love, with compassion, provide everything that the vine and the branch need to survive and to produce fruit. And so we see that that's the vine dresser's responsibility. But here's where we have to be careful. Because I, I want you to understand today that when we translate from the original language to English, there are times that, that meanings are lost, that things are sort of watered down, that, that things may get lost in the translation from the English language, from the Greek language, because there's so many things that that honestly, we just don't put enough meat around what the meaning of it is. And I believe that this is one of those phrases, one of those words that we gotta be careful with because if we're not careful, we'll translate it to say something that it doesn't say. And so that's why I brought emphasis to that very first, to the first part of verse two, when it says, every branch in me. That is Jesus saying, every branch that is attached to me, every individual that is finding life in me, every branch that knows I am hope, every branch that knows I am the resurrection life. So we know that they are connected to the Son of God, that they are in relationship to the Son of God. 
And so Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter four. If you wanna read about that later, it talks about in the whole, through the power of the Holy Spirit, for the believer, the one who is in Christ, the one who is attached to Christ, it says that we are sealed till the day of redemption. That means that once you're connected to the Son of God, once you are in relationship to him, truly believing, truly repenting, truly trusting in him to be your life, that there's nothing we can do or the world can do that can detach us from the true vine, from the life source. But I know that you read on in that verse and you say, but Brian, it says, but if, that branch doesn't produce fruit, that it's taken away. Some of your Bibles may even read that it's removed. Some of your Bibles may even say that if it doesn't produce fruit, that it's cut off. And this is where we're just gonna chalk this up, honestly, to a bad translation. Now look, I'm not telling you that if your Bible says cut off or removed, you're probably going, well, I need to throw my Bible away. No, don't throw your Bible away. You read and you study, you're gonna find a lot more places where, where things are, are, are not really to the meat of what I'm talking about, that we lose this meaning through the translations. But here's what I wanna to open your heart and your mind to, that the responsibility of this vine dresser's job in reference to what my Bible says, the word taken away. So when he sees a branch that doesn't bear fruit, it says that he, that branch is taken away. When you look at the original word that taken away, that cut off, that removed, they tried to, to, to translate it from, it's the original word in the Greek, ario. And that word ario, listen to the definition. It means to raise up. It means to elevate. It means to lift up. Matter of fact, it's the very same word in the original language that Jesus would tell his followers, take up your cross and follow me. I don't think it says remove your cross. I don't think it means to cut your cross off if you would, but it's literally telling if you wanna follow me, you've gotta lift it up. You've gotta raise it up. You've gotta carry your cross and follow me. Again, it's the same word that he tells the paralytic man when he says, take up your bed and walk. He says, Ario, your bed and walk, raise it up, lift it up. And so what we realize is that in this context, the disciples would have understood this language because everybody in Israel would have known what is talked about in the vineyards. They all know this language. They all know these words. They all know that, these, that what Jesus is talking about in the picture that he's painting. So they would have known that if they're in a vineyard and there's a branch that's laying on the ground, then it's not gonna produce any fruit while it's laying on the ground. Now look, I know we're from the South. So maybe we need to be talking about like muscadines and scuppinongs, you know, the bigger muscadines is what I call them. But I know that one of, the, one of the yards that I cut, it's got a lot of grapevines on it, or I'm sorry, a lot of muscadine vines. 
And as I was thinking about this text, I ride around and I see these branches that have fallen from the trellis. They've fallen from the wire and they are laying on the ground. And yes, guess what? There's no muscadines on them. There's no fruit on them because they are laying on the ground. And so here's the beautiful part of the vine dresser, God the Father, that even in seasons of your life, when you're producing no fruit, you have a loving Father that takes note of that. And the vine dresser's responsibility is to make his way through the vineyard, to make his way through your life. And instead of cutting you off saying you're no good, he places his hand under that broken spirit, under that broken heart, and he raises you up. He lifts you up and he attaches you to the trellis. He gets you back entangled with all of the other branches that are producing fruit. And I am so thankful that I serve a God that even when I don't produce fruit, he never gives up on me. He never stops being our life source. And so let it be said that if you notice, it doesn't say that if you're producing fruit, then he's done with you. Because as long as you are in him, as long as you are attached to him, can I tell you, he's not through with you. He's not through with you. And that's the beauty. The branch that appears to be lifeless, the branch that appears to be producing no fruit is never unattached from the life source. Is never unattached from the true vine. And I don't know about you, but that is good news. But here's the painful part. That when the hand of God raises you up, when the hand of God lifts you up, and he attaches you back to this, this fellowship of the saints, and he, he puts you into the branches that are already producing fruit, there are going to be areas of your life that are bearing fruit no more. And so then we read about the, the pruning process. And if you've ever been pruned by the Holy Spirit of God and the power of his word, that's not a lot of fun. There's gonna be areas of your life that produce no fruit and the vine dresser's responsibility is to, to bring attention to those in your life. And it's the Holy Spirit of God speaks to areas of your life that need to be pruned. When is the last time you've placed your hand, yourself in God's hand and said, God, I want you to prune me even if it hurts. Because as he prunes, he may have to prune certain people out of your life. He may have to prove habits. He may have to, to prune addictions. He may have to prune certain things that you enjoy. He may have to prove things that you've lifted higher than him. And yeah, it's gonna hurt. Because our flesh still wants to be a part of it. Our flesh still wants to be participating in some of the things that we know. But I am so thankful that I serve a God who's the lifter of our heads and who is never finished with us. 
And see, he reminds them. He, he tells them that in verse three. He says, look, don't worry. You're already clean. If you remember, we talked about that about a month ago. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And so this morning, here's what I want you to hear. As a believer and as a child of God, this is why it is so important that we stay in the word of God because the pruning process is never over. And the power of the Holy Spirit combined with the power of God's word is when we realize what things in our life have got to be pruned. Because remember, according to verse eight, what's the responsibility of a disciple? What's the responsibility of us? That we bear fruit so that God gets glory. And sometimes it's gonna take us allowing the Spirit of God to cut dead things away so that we can bear fruit. That's how we see God work in our life. My daughter, she's a lot smarter than I am. She said this, and she wrote it down on her phone. But she said, you can't say God isn't moving when your Bible has been closed. You can't say that God isn't moving when your Bible has been closed. And you may in your mind be thinking, well, I'm not really having to be pruned right now. I'm kind of doing that. I got this thing figured out. I could almost guarantee you, you're not reading the word of God. Because our goodness, our righteousness, just when we think we're good enough, the Bible's pretty clear that it says filthy rags. That just when we think we're good enough, nothing we can do can compare to the holiness of a righteous God. And so that's the power of the word. That's the importance. That's when you come here on Sunday mornings, you're gonna hear the word of God preached. Because this is what the word does. It cuts sharper than any two-edged sword. It means it cuts coming and going. Sometimes it'd just be easier to cut one way and not do it when it comes back. But I want you to look at verses four and five. Because remember, they've been challenged to bear fruit. And in verse four and five, Jesus is gonna tell them, here's how you're going to bear fruit. Here's the only way you can bear fruit. Verses four and five, he says, abide in me, be connected to me, and I in you. As the branches cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. One of the most popular verses in all scripture, 15.5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, you can do nothing. No, sorry, Woo, that was wrong. Yep, Jeff, it's about time for the glasses. Let's, let's try that one one more time, okay? Can we delete that one on that TV thing? I am the vine, <laughs> We were going so smoothly too. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Because if you remember the disciples going back to the very first part of this conversation, remember their hearts are troubled because Jesus is physically going to leave them. 
They're worried about how this work, how these fruits are gonna continue to be produced without him there. And he's just telling them, hey, you gotta stay close. And if you remember in verses four, or chapter 14, verses 25 and 26, he tells them that the power of the Spirit's gonna be the one that allows them to do that. He says, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. He's talking about being physically with him. Here's what we've done, but here's what's gonna take place now. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so Jesus is just reminding the disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit, you stay close to me because we've got work to do and that working is to bring God glory by producing the fruit in our life. That's what the purpose of this conversation is. And Jesus is telling them, if you're not dependent upon me, it ain't gonna happen. If you're not dependent upon me, it's not gonna happen. But I always love when Jesus speaks out of experience. Because in John chapter five, Jesus says that I can do nothing on my own. Now keep in mind, this is the son of God. If Jesus, the son of God, is acknowledging that he can do nothing without his father, then who in the world are we to think that we can? Who in the world are we to think we can do it on our own? But you know, I think about that. And Jesus is basically saying, if I can't, why in the world do you think you can? If I can't do it on my own, how do you think you're gonna do it on your own? But what I've watched over the last, I don't know, several years, is I've watched a lot of Christians begin to think they can do things on their own. I've watched professing believers think that, hey, I've got this. And this happens often when I don't even like to use this word, but I think y'all will know what I'm trying to say. But when, when the believer begins to experience some success, maybe it's in your workplace, maybe things in your home are going pretty smoothly, or maybe you're a small group leader and like your small group is like busting at the seams. Like you gotta get more chairs every week. Can I tell you that the enemy is gonna lie to you and he's gonna begin to whisper to you, hey, you know what, you've arrived. You're all that. If it wasn't for you, that group wouldn't be growing. If it wasn't for you, your family wouldn't be going so smoothly right now. But in the weakness of our flesh, there are so many times that we believe that lie. We believe that, hey, you know what? I figured this thing out and we become less and less dependent upon the life source because we think we've arrived. But Jesus is saying, hey, you better be careful. You better be careful because apart from me, you can do nothing. It may look good for a while. It may do great for a while. It may even produce a little bit of fruit for a while. But can I tell you, if it's attached and coming from anything other than Jesus Christ, it will run out. 
And I believe not only is this happening in the believer's life, but I think it's trickling over into the church's life. Not necessarily here, but the big C church. And what I mean by that is this, the church, the church has become more concerned about what they produce for the public than the fruit they produce for God's glory. The church has gotten so wrapped up with the mindset of it's all about the product that we can get to people. It's about the product and how great it is and how polished it is. If you've been here for any amount of time, there ain't nothing polished about this guy. You're not supposed to laugh right there at all. But to me, that is so heartbreaking that for some reason, the church is now in a position that they think they're lobbying for their glory rather than God's glory. They're more concerned about building the brand of their church name than they are giving glory to the Son of God. And can I tell you, God shares his glory with no one. God won't allow it to happen. It may look good for a little while. It may be some explosions of growth, but can I tell you, just like everything else that is attached to anything other than Jesus, it will run out. It will run out. And I heard it said this week, what the church has gotta stop doing, we gotta stop selling Jesus and preach Jesus. We've got to stop selling him as a product and preach him as the savior. Preach him as the resurrection life. Preach him as the God who receives those who repent and believe. Preach him as he's the God who's going to convict. But instead, we try to put this bow on Jesus' head and to make him somebody he's not. We've got to stop selling him. And we've got to get back to preaching him. And can I tell you that that is something I want you to hold me accountable to? Because, you know, you can look around the room and there's, there's talented people in this room. People that have been given by God abilities. There's people on our staff that are very talented, that are very gifted. So much that I would venture to say that we can pull off some pretty impressive events. But what I want you to hold me accountable for is I don't want Chestnut Mountain Church to ever be known for the church that is good at pulling off events. We want to be a church who produces the fruit so the glory is given to the one who deserves it. We don't want to be known for the church as the church who is so polished and structured that we lean so heavily on our skills and our abilities and our talents that there's no room for the Holy Spirit of God to do what he wants to do. You know, the Spirit of God is the one who gave his life for this church. Who gave his life for the church, the followers of Christ. And you know, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to know what you need. 
I don't know what you as a people need. This staff doesn't know what you as a people need. But what I commit to you is that we will, this staff, this team, we are gonna stay attached to the vine because the true vine knows exactly what you need. And as the Spirit of God speaks to us, as the Spirit of God leads us, this is when you will be getting what the Spirit of God wants you to have. Not as a result of because we're smart. It's just simply because we know that we can't do it anything apart from Him. This is why we're gonna acknowledge Him in everything we do. And this very reason alone is the reason you will never hear me apologize for going off script. I'm never gonna apologize for being sensitive to what the Spirit of God leads us to do. Because the reality is, I don't know what you need, he does. And so as the Spirit of God leads I just simply pray that we're dependent upon the vine, the true vine, to inform us of what's next. And I know that we try to marry everything to these windows of time, but can I tell you, I don't wanna ever limit God to time, to the one who stands outside time. Now look, we're gonna try to do our best, but I ain't promising nothing. Because if the Spirit leads, we're just gonna shut up and get out of the way. And I believe that's who we are as a church. Because I wanna be that place that we take it to heart that apart from Him, we can do nothing. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. So up to this point, Jesus has been having this conversation with the disciples and so as we get ready to close in verse six, you're gonna see that he makes one reference to the unbeliever. He's gonna make one reference to those who are not connected to the true vine. And in verse six, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, if anyone is not connected to me, if anyone is not attached to me, he is thrown away as a branch and, and dries up. And they gather them and they cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Understand that this is a reference to the individual who was a never, ever genuinely attached to the true vine. Maybe they were superficially attached. Maybe they had religion figured out. Maybe they had all the church habits figured out, but they weren't fully committed and surrendered and believing that Jesus Christ is the only life source. You know, this is alluding to those individuals that sort of sprinkle Jesus on the areas of their life they want to improve. Maybe their marriage needs some help. You know what, I'm gonna... I'm gonna commit my marriage to Jesus. But that's it. I'm not gonna commit my job to him yet because I got it. 
I'm not gonna commit my calling to him yet because I, you know, I think I know what I'm supposed to be doing. But I want my marriage to get better. So you know what? I'm gonna surrender that. I'm gonna trust Jesus with that. And so we superficially attach ourselves to Jesus. But Jesus wants the disciples to know that, hey, look, I can't be just an addition to your life. For you to follow me, you've gotta acknowledge I am your life. And that's surrendering every area of your life to my lordship. That's you trusting me with everything you place in my hands. And so this morning, and there's no doubt in my mind that there's individuals in this room that you would say you're attached to Jesus because you've done this, because you've done that. But can I tell you, if you're not fully and solely dependent upon him as Savior and Lord, Lord of your life means you relinquish control of not just certain areas, but in all areas. And this is what it means to take up your cross and follow him, meaning that you're gonna die to yourself and you're gonna trust Jesus with every area of your life and every place he directs you. But there's no doubt in my mind there's an individual or individuals in this room that you're not genuinely attached to the true vine. On the outside, it may look like you've got it all figured out, but you're not attached. But I also wonder this morning if you think you're too far gone. Can I tell you, you're not. It don't matter where you've been. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter what you're doing right now. I don't care what you did in the parking lot before you came in. Jesus' arms are wide open to receive you as his child. To redeem you, to restore you, and to give you the same resurrection life that he has. But then I also wonder this morning is, to the believer in the room. Can you say, Brian, I'm that branch. I have fallen out of the fellowship with other believers. I have, I've fallen flat on my face and I know there's areas of my life that aren't producing fruit. But you know, we have to ask ourselves the question, well, what caused the branches to ever fall from the trellis? Whatever caused them to fall from the fellowship of other believers? What caused that? And I don't know. It could be storms, it could be rain, it could be wind, it could be other animals. But something has caused that branch to fall. What has caused you to fall? What storms of your life, what rainstorm have you been in? What wind in your life has caused you to fall to the point where you're laying on the ground and you feel lifeless, you feel hopeless, and you feel fruitless? If that's you this morning, what you need to be reminded of is the vine dresser is making his way about his garden and he's gonna take note that you are laying flat on your face, producing no fruit. And all of a sudden you gotta realize he didn't come to condemn. 
He's there to place his hand under you, to raise you up, to lift you up, to dust you off because he wants you producing fruit. God hasn't given up on you. But maybe this morning you can say, man, Brian, I look around my life and I'm just seeing all kinds of fruit. I'm winning in every area. If that's you, praise God. Come stand next to me. Maybe you can rub off on me a little bit. But if that's you this morning, I'm telling you, you fall flat on your face and you praise him for it. And you say, God, don't ever let me think it's me. Don't ever let me think it's me. Because God, I know what your word says. I know what you told the disciples, that apart from you, I can do nothing. And so God, I wanna abide in you and I want you to abide in me. But this is another one of those messages that hits to me every person in the room. It hits the unbeliever. It hits the fruitful believer and it hits the believer who's not bearing fruit. But which one are you? Which one are you? God, I thank you. God, for this room. God, I thank you for your spirit that is here. And God, I thank you for your word today. And God, I ask you to move about this room as the vine dresser today. God, lift every head that needs lifted. God, attach us back to the trellis. Attach us back to the fellowship of other believers. And God, have your way in this room with your pruning shears. God, cut away the areas of our life that don't produce fruit. But God, if there's somebody here this morning that would say that they're attached, but God, they're just simply going through the motions. God, I pray that today you would draw them to yourself. And God, that they would repent of their sins, that they would repent of believing that they have the power to find life and that they would turn to you. And God, you would rescue them today. So God, have your way as the vine dresser in this room this morning. And God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. 
So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see, and that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.